0: with a quick introduction to this Week's show. As we do uh, occasionally, I like to go back through the archives of the show since we've been doing this for f- 113 years at this point uh, and resurface some of the Keystone episodes, some of the big important episodes that have influenced almost everything that came after it. And so we're in the midst of revisiting our series of episodes on the five factors of health. The last time we did this, we reshared the 10 Principles of Nutrition. This time around, we are going to revisit the 10 Principles of Training. We're talking about why it's important to work out five to six times a week, why we wanna live in couplets and triplets, why we wanna commit to constant variance, and a handful of other principles. All of these episodes, all episodes from the five factors on, again, nutrition, mindset, mindset, connection, sleep, are all available in the archives. If this is your first time through an episode where we dive into one of them, just search back wherever you're listening to this and you will find them all. Enjoy this revisit. And if it's the first time, enjoy it Uh, even more. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense, but you know what I'm talking about. Let's get into the episode. As we always do on these conversations, let's start with just a quick one-minute recap of what the five factors are
1: and why we've paid as much attention to them as we have. Yeah, so it's the five factors of health. So these are the five things that are essentially within your control. You can kind of manipulate to improve your health. And what we've talked about before is if you go to the doctor, the doctor is probably gonna hit on two of those things if they're a good doctor, right? The bad doctor goes, take this medication, see you in six to eight weeks. The good doctor goes, okay, you could probably improve some things if you um, started exercising and ate better, right? Now that's usually where they send you off, and they don't give right. you any sort of like if any sort of prescription for that. But or if they do, it's like go for a jog and yeah, exercise. And, so move more, yeah. get a Fitbit. They usually right. like get a Fitbit and um don't eat as much fat. Right. We I, w- I wish that they would do more. Right. Yeah. So we've created. These five factors. And the five factors are, um, they are those first two. So it is what you eat and how you move or your training, which we're going to talk about today. The next is, which the doctors don't talk about, this massively impacts your health. So here's a cool story. Um, I had um, one of our members come into me that's really struggling with Lyme disease. Mm. And she's really like awesome person to work with because she's so into getting better. Everything I talked about it, she understands, right? right? We talk about gut microbiome and she's like, check. Like she's, you know, everything is like kind of dialed into the nth degree. And she's read this article that was essentially about the issue that, um, people that suffer with this is all of a sudden they get these massive hits and all of a sudden out of nowhere, they have this huge, um, fatigue factor. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they, you know, they have no energy and they're like, man, what is that? So she read this article that had everything to do with your heart rate. Mm -hmm. So what she's trying to do is dial in her heart rate to see if that will, during exercise and training to see if she doesn't train with a class, she trains on her own because it's, it's so dialed in. To see if that is the factor that will um, change it up, and that's this article is really convincing. I was like, had a conversation. I was like, I like it, but we have to recognize that heart rate is one of so many variables. Yeah, you know, what about if it is something that you're eating that's causing this? What if it has to do with your sleep? What if it's just a stress factor of you know you're getting a lot of you have a lot of um, stuff at work coming at you? What if it's a relationship thing, like you have yeah. a fight with your husband and So, while training is important, it can't live on an island by itself. You have to take all these variables together to see how you're manipulating your health. So, what they are, and the thing that I talked to her about was, let's track, and she's so dialed. It's awesome, the data we're going to get us. Um, Let's track your eating. Let's track your training, let's track your sleep, let's track your um connection or relationships. Mm-hmm. Or, and yeah. yep. yep. And let's connect um track your 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 thinking or your stress levels yeah. as well. So we've been doing this for a little bit and and it's just to track and then be able to correlate with to, like a like you had a bad, a good day, a, a bad, bad, day. bad day. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Because before it was like random. It right. seems so random. And what she's seen is the number one correlate so far, correlate not causality, because we don't know it yet. We don't have data. She thought it was all about training. She's like, you know, if I do four days of training in a week, that's what causes. Mm-hmm. It. What we're finding is right now the number one thing is, um, and then she was like, okay, if it's not that, then it's gotta be sleep. Like mm-hmm. the days I don't sleep. So all these hypotheses, right? And the biggest one that's it—it's sugar. Whenever mm. she has any sugar it seems to really set her off for the next day.
0: You know, it's interesting. Um, Tim Ferriss uh, had Lyme disease. This was a few years back. And he actually said that the thing that helped him the most, and I'm pretty sure he said this, was um, being in ketosis.
1: So there you go, no sugar, like zero sugar, right? Like that's amazing. Zero carb, 20, 70 grams of carbs minimum, depending on how sensitive you are. So yeah, that's by far and away the number one thing. Interesting. So... Um, Long, long kind of route to get to, but that's the reason why all these things matter. You can't have one without the other. You know, you could be working out really hard, but if you are also super stressed at work and you're not recovering or you have bad things going on at the home, like all these things kind of play together. You can't have one of these things. you to super healthy without any of the others. So there's our five factors. Right.
0: Awesome. So before we dive into this conversation about uh principles of training, what do we mean or what do you mean when we say training, at least in this context? Like what like it feels important that we um at least narrow the conversation to a degree so that these principles kind of make sense.
1: Sure. So we're not training for we're training for health. Mm -hmm. That's what it so this is the five factors of health. So training, aka exercise for the benefit of improving your health. So what that means is, we're not trying to make it to the NFL, we're not trying to do a bodybuilding competition, and we're not trying to do an Ironman, or Mm -hmm. anything in between those things or anything else. We're training to try to kick ass when you're 90 years old. That's what we're looking for. So all of these things can have carryover, and some will have more carryover than others, if we're looking to go into some sport-specific or agenda-specific protocol, mm-hmm. but if we're training for overall health, longevity, wellness—like the thing that the doctors want you to do—these are the ten principles that are most important to be focusing on for overall health. Mm-hmm. And would
0: you um, would you say that that's across the board from um, as it relates to maybe
1: age? You know, uh- so our definition of health—that's—is that's, work capacity. Across broad time and modal domains across your lifetime. So what that means is break that down. Work capacity, your ability to produce energy, right? Your ability to 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 move and produce power um, across um, broad time. So whether that's like for a second or two, something like a one rep deadlift. Yep or um, long, like running a marathon, or hiking a mountain, so we want not be able to do anything, and modal domains, which also means like a variety of tasks, so shoveling snow, lifting weights, running, swimming. We want you to be able to do all those things when you're 18, when you're 38, when you're 58, when you're 78, and when you're 98. And the more you hold on to that capacity across your life, that's the true measure of health. Now, what the medical community has done is they've tried to pull correlates to this, mm. predictors of work capacity across broad time, all domains. So, what they'll say is if your cholesterol is high, we're predicting that in a few years you're gonna lose capacity. Yep. There, cholesterol is does nothing to affect your life it's a number they're just trying to predict things fasting glucose is a really good predictor that in a few years if it's high you're going to probably get some sort of like chronic disease and have to be on medication you're not gonna have the same work power so what we want to do is take the actual thing and measure that as the indicator the number one key performance indicator for how we're doing not these things that are leading indicators, predictive and correlate. Even if they're causality, we want the actual thing. We want the number one thing, which is your work. How much work can you do?
0: Right. Got it. Okay. So we've got our 10 principles of training. We are going to dive into them. The first one is work
1: out five to six times a week. So this is essentially, if, if you want anything, you have to do it frequently. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, Excellence is what you repeatedly do. It's, it, there's so many different mantras we can pull from. And um, smart people have said smart things about this. But basically, it comes down to if you want something, you have to do it consistently. It's not about what you do every now and then. If you want health, you need to... I know what the doctors have said. It's like 20 minutes a day, three times a week. I've seen it in action. We used to do at the gym. We used to do, we used to have a three times a week uh, membership. We used to have a twice a week membership. We used to have a once a week membership. We used to have drop-ins. All of those are gone. We no longer do any of those options at the gym anymore. The reason being is I can't guarantee you that you're going to improve your health if you're only coming here two or three times a week because I've seen it. Some people do it and some people don't. On the flip side, if you're here five or six days a week, I feel really good about where you're going to be in two or three years. It's about consistency. This isn't just health. This is anything. If you want to learn to play guitar and you do it once a week for 20 minutes, even three times a week for 20 minutes, how long is it going to be before you actually feel like you've mastered the guitar? Right. It'll never happen. You will never master the guitar 20 minutes, three times a week. But if you just start with five or six times a week and forget about how many minutes it is, you're going to start to get there Mm -hmm. because it's a consistency thing. You need to get the little touch and little touch and little touch. And that's what builds over time. The other thing is the hardest part about working out is just starting. Is walking through the door. It's putting on your running shoes. It's um, walking out your door for a run. It's whatever it might be, that's the hardest part. We're gonna build the habits. Mm-hmm. And the habit doesn't come from two or three times a week. Now, that habit doesn't need to be go do a full CrossFit class. We've I've been talking this with Heather a lot because she's starting this practice of meditation. And what she's found the best thing is a lot of people say like headspace is great because yep. it's only... 10 minutes. 10 minutes is too much. Like do one minute, do 30 seconds, take three deep breaths, anything. I started a practice of cold showers. Mm. I haven't missed a cold. Welcome to the club. You too? (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I haven't missed a cold shower. So this is recent. Um, I haven't missed a cold shower probably in, uh, three weeks or so. Right. So but man, that was so daunting for me before because I was like, it's so, until I said, all I have to do is turn it cold for one second. And if I do one second, that's okay. And if I turn it off and turn it warm after that, that's okay. And that's how I can build the habit. But what ends up happening every single time, and so the only way I can get to turn it, is like, I'll do it for one second. Mm-hmm. I turn it cold and then for one second is not that bad. Two seconds is that bad. And I've never ever done it for just one second. Yeah. The least I've ever done it is um, for about five seconds because Heather's like, we got it. I haven't done cold yet. She's like, we got to go. We're leaving now. Out of the shower. Like we were late for something. I was like, okay, cold. One, two, and turn it off. Yep, And then I got victory. It I did yeah. it. Victory. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's about setting the habit.
0: Really cool. Uh, a mutual friend, Dave Asario, Just I only no know Davis, this because exactly. he just posted this, but he's he's very close to a thousand straight
1: days of cold showers, Love which it. is just impressive. Um, a thousand days of showers <laughs> is impressive. My daughter Maya would like, that would be a lifetime goal. Um, the other thing is
0: you, you reminded me of something that it's an, it's an analogy that Simon Sinek gives, which is... Um, uh, Toothbrushing as it relates to kind of this thing, which is like, you can't go to the dentist once and have good, good oral totally, hygiene. Right. You no have to how brush. How intense, good that is. 100%. No matter how is, no matter amazing You need to brush for two minutes twice a day. Yes. The intensity is not the, 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 Correct. the, win, the, when, the, where, where, it's where you win. Showing it's showing exactly. It's
1: doing it. Love
0: it. Okay. Number two, focus on mechanics, consistency, then intensity. Okay. So,
1: um, three different things. We'll talk about all three of these things. We just talked about the consistency that is you just got to do it. But once you're there, what I want people to focus on is the mechanics. Don't worry about how much weight you're lifting. Don't worry about what your time is. Don't worry about running super hard or any of those things. Just focus on the mechanics. The way you're going to be able to do this for a long time is if you're trying to I don't say geek out about it but pay attention to doing it well, right? Mm-hmm. Let's pull it back to the guitar scenario, right? If you want to just like get there and like wail on some power chords and like turn the volume up to 11, you know, it's like <laughs> you're not going to you're not going to get to where you want to be instead if you sit there and like really try to think about for yeah. a little bit doing it better. Yeah. So it's about mechanics is another word for like technique, right? right? Focus on the technique whether it's I'm not talking about CrossFit now. I'm talking about like exercise. Yep. So whether you're working on, you know, a squat snatch or a muscle up CrossFit, or you're working on a bench press or a lat pull down, like try and do it better. Mm-hmm. Like better is not more weight or faster or beating your body. Better is like better movements. Focus mm-hmm. on that. So it goes better movement technique. Then we'll. We'll build in the consistency play as well, and then we'll talk about intensity in a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It strikes me that <clears throat> much of the the challenge of CrossFit, specifically talking about CrossFit, getting people to consider CrossFit, is that everybody w- weights themselves towards the intensity, and that's what they make the decision on. Whereas it's the mechanics and the consistency yeah, that. Uh, totally. And I think that if there's been If things went off the rail, it was because things pointed towards the intensity instead of the mechanics. It's the sexy part
1: though, right? And it's the fun part. It's the part that like you, it's where you, so not only that, it's literally, you don't get, it's built into you biologically. You don't get feel goods from working on mechanics or consistency. You do get feel goods from the intensity. Literally there is a chemical reaction in your body called endorphins that are there to make you feel good to mask physical pain. That's the only reason they exist. It's the only reason you have it is that when you're running away from danger or you're running down, running towards the, the gazelle that you're gonna kill for a meal, you can go longer because you feel good. It's the runner's high. You don't get that from the other stuff. That's
0: interesting, yeah. Damn
1: it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, next one, prioritize functional movements. Okay, so functional movements, there's this, functional movements kind of come become ubiquitous. Yeah. So it's kind of lost all meaning because the shake weight and BOSU balls are now functional training. So we have to define what functionality is. And functional, functional movements move a large load, a large distance quickly. So um, as much as I love bicep curls, they're <laughs> not as functional large load, large distance quickly as a pull-up. Both work your bicep. One, you're using a 30-pound dumbbell, the bicep curl. The other, you're lifting your body weight, 150 to 200 pounds, so there's a lot more load. The other one is the long distance. The bicep curl, you're moving that thing maybe 18, 24 inches, you know, two feet. Whereas the pull-up, you're moving that thing, the full length of your arm, it could not really get that much bigger unless you turn into a muscle-up, mm-hmm. okay? So it's a much larger distance. Then quickly, what's the idea behind a bicep curl? Slow it down, feel right. the burn, right. time under tension. Slow eccentrics, bro, that's what builds mass. I'm not debating that, it does. But for health, for improving the, your, your work capacity, what we wanna do is move even a little bit quicker, i.e. let's try to get these things done a little bit faster and that's large load large distance over quickly is Matt mat, like mass over um, di- mass times distance divided by time equals power So you're increasing your power as you do these things functional movements produce higher power than Isometric movements mm-hmm. now if that was kind of like what the hell is he talking about? Functional movements show up in real life They're on the job site and they're on the athletic fields and because of that those two things replicate the other stuff We do in real life. So on the job site people pick up cinder blocks. They put them on the shoulder They walk them around they have to squat down They have to lunge, jump, run, lift, press, pull. Those are all things on the on the on the athletic fields. People push, they pull, they squat, they lunge, they jump. That's what replicates real life. So, if it only exists in the gym, aka like calf raises, pec deck, Mm -hmm. uh, preacher curls, those are not as functional as the other counterparts to it. Squat, lunge, jump, press, pull, and so on. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking about what movements you should do, just say like, does this movement represent something we would see in real life? And if it does, chances are it's a functional movement. And what we want to be doing in the gym is training for health. What health is, is we're not trying to get better at the gym. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get better at the gym to transfer outside the walls of the gym so you can be kicking ass in your 90s. Do you think movements like...
0: Um, you know just uh, snatching and muscle ups and I could probably think of a couple more um, are they like where did they in your mind fall as it relates to functional movements yeah. versus things that only exist in the gym like I, I can see where okay those things so, kind of exist yeah
1: in, in, as functional there's a lot movements. of different so there's a lot of different defining factors for function movements one is that I listed a couple of them yep. one is that they show up in real life yep which means um, basically they're, they're universal motor recruitment patterns. That's a fancy word for saying that, yep. right? Which is um, they they show up everywhere. They're in real life. They're um, on the job site. And so they're in sports and so on. Other ones are that they're essential. Hmm. If you lose the capacity to do these things, you lose the capacity to live your life normally. If you can no longer squat, well, guess what? You can't get off the toilet. You need to go to a nursing home. People don't go to the nursing home because they're sick. People go to the nursing home because they lose the capacity to perform functional movements. They can't get off the toilet. They can't reach the peanut butter up in the shelf. They can't um, walk up and down stairs and so on. That's the reason for assisted living, mm-hmm. not that you're sick. Mm-hmm. You go to this hospital, when you're sick, so universal motor recruitment patterns, they're essential. The other one is that they're natural. Just like a dog wags its tail and a bird flaps its wings, human beings lunge, run, jump, pull, push, and so on. But the number one, if you threw away all those things, the number one that we're gonna hold on to is that um, they produce power. Mm-hmm. Large load, large distance quickly. So if you think of it in terms of that, okay. That, like a snatch, might be the number one power-producing movement. Mm-hmm. Nothing in the world creates more high-power velocity than a snatch. Now, okay, cool. Let's think about otherwise. What about like the way that they work through like the 10 components of fitness? Strength, stamina, endurance, flexibility, balance, power, agility, accuracy, coordination, all the, those things. Well, the snatch kind of hits on a lot of those things. So a snatch covers a lot of stuff. And then you think about like, okay, but does it show up in real life? Well, not with the barbell and not through maybe that smooth range of motion, but like, bro, like help me get my canoe up onto the, up on the top of my car. Mm-hmm. And, you pick it up and you have to get down into full squat over your head to pick it up and bring it over. We just snatched it, mm-hmm. okay? So, okay, there's no squat. You just bring it up in one movement. Three, one, two, three, and up and overhead. Mm-hmm. You, you just snatched cano- one end of the canoe and your mm-hmm. body did the other end. Mm-hmm. So it does show up. That is very, very much a real life movement for a number of different reasons. A uh, muscle up. Um, large load, large sense quickly for yep. sure um, in real life you get locked out of your house and you need to hoist yourself up onto your deck, like you have to be able to do a muscle up from a pull to a support to a push. You you go whitewater rafting and you fall out of the raft. You got to get in the raft and no one else is in the raft because everyone else fell out. Well, you gotta pull yourself up on the raft and push yourself up and over. Now that you're on the raft, you're the one with the most functional work capacity. Now you can pull everyone else in. So these things do show up in real life for sure. It's just that there's more technique in the gym for sure. You have to get... The bar to hit your pockets and you know, make sure you don't have a quarter extremity violation. You have to keep everything in the frontal plane and like there's a lot more things that we focus on. But the more you focus on that, one of the things that's really unique to our program is the attention to technique. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really cool because the more accuracy, agility, balance, and coordination you pull into it, the more real life you get and transfers over to not only the soccer field, the tennis court, or the golf course, it also translates to real life as well.
0: Next one, live in couplets and triplets.
1: Okay, so what a couplet is, is essentially two movements that you do back to back. A triplet is three movements that you do in a row. Back in the gym day, it was supersets or giant sets. And I'm not against those at all. uh, Let's call them whatever you want. So we could say live in couplets or triplets or live in supersets or giant sets. Mm -hmm. What this allows you to do is to continue working so your metabolic engine is still going. You're still breathing heavy, but you kind of change the demands on the body. So let's use a gym scenario, not a CrossFit scenario. Instead of going to the gym and doing... um um three sets of 10 of lunges, and then um, after that doing three sets of 10 of push-ups, do instead three rounds of 10 lunges and 10 push-ups. Mm-hmm. And now you have these two movements going back and forth with each other. Your legs get a break while, you're, while your upper body works. Cool for a bunch of different reasons. One is that you start to work this neuroendocrine system, this hormonal response where you're out of breath working muscles, that's kind of where the sweet spot happens. But it also allows you to kind of produce higher power. Um, and it's, it's really kind of like the place that you get the most benefit from your workouts. It may or may not, and I'm saying it may, produce bigger muscles. So you actually could. This is where supersets came in. Yep. A lot of times they do it with contrast. So you do bicep curls and tricep pushdowns. Bicep curls and tricep pushdowns. What we're saying is let's combine some of This, this is where Fran started, right? Mm-hmm. Let's do um, thrusters, And pull ups. So you have this um, lower body dominated movement, uh, lower body dominant movement mediated by the hip, followed immediately by an upper body movement mediated by the shoulder. Your heart rate is jacked at 180, but guess what? You can still do the next movement and allows you this incredible kind of like stamina play um, while you're building strength and muscle.
0: Um, when you say live in couplets and triplets, just out of curiosity, like what is that in programming here
1: for CFNE? Like how many times a week do you deviate from that? So here's what, yeah, great question. Um, if we're going to talk about working out five or six days a week, we would like to see the majority of those. So three or four be couplets or triplets. Fran is a Fran, Diane, um, um, Elizabeth. Those are, Couplets and are then the,
0: I wonder if all the girls no they're them.
1: not. Then that's Jackie, the okay. um, um Cindy, there's other ones that are are triplets. Yeah, okay. And then what you want to do from there is every now and then do some single, do some back squats and then a 2K row. Yep. Like go to the track and then uh do some bench press. Like that's okay. Do that once a week. Mm-hmm. And then one other week, let's do like a chipper type thing where you just yep. do like you do filthy 50, where you just do a movement and you're done. Do a movement and you're done. Now here's the deal. I get it. Everyone likes chippers better. Everyone likes workouts with four movements better. Everyone likes workouts with five movements better. Couplets and triplets are not as fun. Well, just because they're not as fun doesn't mean they're not as effective. Mm -hmm. They're actually more effective. What people do when they program is they're like, I get it, like, yeah, we could do, let's do some sort of takeoff of Fran. We'll do thrusters and pull-ups, and people are like, oh, you know what else would be sick? Is if we ran 400 between, and people are like, oh, yeah, you know what else? Is if we did burpees. Yeah, you know what else would be great? It's like, yeah, you're making it more fun. I totally get that. There's a time and a place. Every time you add a movement past a triplet, you are making it less effective. Mm Not saying don't do it, but just be aware be the majority. <laughs> uh,
0: next one: understand relative intensity.
1: Yeah. So um intensity is the independent. Intensity is, is nice, right? Because it's what crosses. We said it's like yeah. kind of thing that makes you feel good. You, it's it's kind of like a shortcut to results. Like if you sit down and practice, mm-hmm. like and you work hard, you're going to get results a little bit quicker than if you kind of just go through the motions. Yeah. Enough said. What people need to realize is this thing called relative intensity. It's not absolute. It's not how much weight did you lift versus how much weight did somebody else lift. It's not how fast did you run the mile versus how fast did somebody else run the mile. It's not even how fast did you run the mile today versus how fast did you run the mile last year, which a lot of people in their master's category are trying to hold on to. Yep. What it means is relative to you, relative to you today, are you working at the right intensity? What's intense for my grandmother is not going to be what's intense for me, which is not going to be what's intense for Katrin, David's daughter. If we all try to work out at somebody else's intensity level, the results go down. Kind of obvious, right? If I go for a run for a mile with my mom, I'm not going to get the same benefit my mom is getting. Mm -hmm. And if I go for a run with Katrin, like she's not getting the same benefit that I am. Similar, if I try to keep up with Katrin, that's not the way to do it either because it's not sustainable every day you walk into the gym all you have to do is work out hard enough Mm -hmm. the saying is um you know mechanics consistency relative intensity it's not maximal intensity. It's never, ever, ever been. Greg Glassman has said, if you try to do CrossFit every single day as hard as you can, you will not survive it. Yeah. Not that you die, it's just that it won't be sustainable. You won't be around doing this in three to five years. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is when today, what's the right amount of work I should be putting this today for me? Mm-hmm. You kind of always ask yourself that question. You're probably training at relative intensity. Got it. Next one, aim for a low trajectory toward a distant horizon. So for, this is not for our games athletes. They're not going to follow this mantra. Games athletes have to be maximizing their uh, results by the open or a sanctional event or the games. They're trying to get as good as they can get at a set period of time. It's kinda like they're playing the finite game. What we're playing is the infinite game, which means there is no arbitrary deadline. You don't need to be as fit as you have ever been in January Mm -hmm. or at the games. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're gonna take a really low trajectory towards a really distant horizon. Meaning, let's try to be fitter in 10 years than you are today, Mm. knowing that in a year, it's okay if we're not there. Yeah. Now, what happens is, what's really cool, we have masters athletes that have been with us for fifteen years that are still pring. Yeah, which is phenomenal. That's terrific. Now, isn't that such a better road than like getting super, super, super fit in three years, um, in in uh, in three months, but then being really kind of like off the rails and overweight and chronic disease or broken or unmotivated in ten years. Yeah. We're just going to like, again, kind of like, what's the right amount of work we should be doing today to know that we're just trying to get a little bit, a little dose, knowing that we're going to come back tomorrow and do it again. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it again. It blends kind of a few of these factors that we've been doing together. We don't need to train like a competitor. A little bit of patience and take the long road.
0: What what would you say would be a, a, a possible uh, symptom or reasoning for like, what everybody I think thinks is like a natural, um, thing to happen, which is at some point, like you're not gonna be able to deadlift as much as you did Mm -hmm. three years ago. Like, but you're saying that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Right. So where, what might be a reasoning for you're starting to see, you know, I'm thinking about when you get to to a certain age, we start to see some of those numbers decrease. Like, is that a symptom of, Overtraining at some point? Is that, I'm just curious. It depends. If
1: you can identify it, maybe you can start to. Yeah, it depends on what, what age you're starting to see this. Yeah. So if you start seeing declining numbers and you're 24 years old, you, something is going on. Right. And it's one of a host of different factors of all the. You can't yeah. say one thing. Right. It's one of the five factors. Now, if you identify, like, okay, it might be my training. Well, are you overtrained or you undertrained? Yep. You figure out that. If you're undertrained, okay, we need to be more consistent or we need to work with higher intensity. We need to show up more. We need to, like, what is it? If you're overtrained, okay, we need to back off. Is it intensity, volume, um, duration, recovery? What do we need to kind of adjust to those factors? So if you're not seeing results, At 25, you're trying to figure that thing out play that game. It doesn't really change if you're 75, Mm -hmm. but there's like this thing that we have to work with, which is called reality, (laughs) which is like at a certain age, um, we start to decay. It's just like, it is, and it was like, you can't go like, here's one of the principles of life. Embrace harsh realities. Mm -hmm. At a certain age, you start dying. No... No one in their 90s is beating anyone in their 20s at any athletic endeavor. Like, you're getting one step closer to death. Like, start accepting it. And once you accept it, now you're set up for success. Yeah. And realize that it's okay. It's okay to not be deadlifting what you what you were in your 30s when you are in your 80s. Like, that's okay. Now, having said that, Big Bri, mm. first client I ever had, started with him when I was... Um, Uh, When he was 40 years old, the birthday present for his 40th birthday, he is now, um, oh man, this is going to, but I I think he's almost 60. Mm -hmm. Um, He PR'd his deadlift like two months ago. Mm. So it still happens.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Identify weaknesses, then attack them.
1: Okay. So you are only as strong as your weakest link. Now, this is what's different if you're going to try and train to be in the NFL This might not be as relevant. If you're going to, this is in business. Like I would not tell someone in business to attack their weaknesses. I would double down on your strengths. Same thing with the NFL. Like if you're fast, like stay fast, dude. Like if you're strong, stay strong, dude. If you work on your weaknesses, now you become mediocre. Both things, you're out of the league. Um, But for health, this is when it does matter. For health, let's say you come to the gym and you can run a five minute mile, but you can't deadlift 95 pounds. You continuing to go out and run your 20 to 30 miles a week is not going to make you any healthier. You potentially backing off of that five-minute mile, actually sliding to like a 545 or even a six-minute mile to build up the capacity to where you can now deadlift to 300, 360 pounds, that is a more well-rounded athlete that has bigger work capacity across broad time mold domains. Identify what is the weakest link you have as Call it as an athlete if you want to. But what is holding you back in life? So, if you, um, um, similar, it's like maybe we take a different scope. You're strong as an ox, but your body fat is in the 30%. Like that's a limiting factor for you. Decrease your body fat, even if it means your deadlift or back squat coming down, and your health will improve. Mm-hmm. Identify the limiting factor, your weakest link, work on that, and overall, you'll be better off. For longevity, health, and in your nineties,
0: mm-hmm. how do how do you square that with um, like a class or a, or a CrossFit gym environment where most people are doing things that aren't targeting a specific like your weakness or my weakness because we're going to go in and we're going to yeah. do whatever's on the whiteboard today. How do you square those two things? Like, how does how does CrossFit a CrossFit gym? How does CrossFit programming?
1: do that when it's not tailored to an individual the constant variance does you don't need to do it you're always going to be seeing different things so by default you're not going to be running 20 or 30 if you're following as your question is if you're doing crossfit if you're doing crossfit five to six days a week an affiliate you're showing up you're doing it how do i then kind of work on you don't need to because you're going to get to run you're just not going to run your 20 30 miles a week Mm -hmm. and you're also going to get to work on Kicking up into a handstand and deadlifting and your squat strength and other things. By default, these things are going to balance themselves out. Now, if you're doing this in your garage, you're doing it on your own, you could then further it and actually like double down on your weaknesses and speed up the whole progression as it is. Allow yourself to fall back on that strength, that mm-hmm. PR, that world class in order to become more well rounded.
0: I didn't do this on purpose, but the next one is constant variance. Perfect. There you go.
1: So, um, variance, what we mean by that is constantly changing things up. And yeah. one of the reasons is just that you want to be mixing things up. If you just, uh, now here's the deal is like, I'm not saying you need to, to handstand pushups, muscle ups and squats snatch your body weight. That's not what variance is, but do, what it means is don't fall into the trap of doing the same thing over and over again. Just think of it that way. Just don't keep doing the same thing. You don't need to go to the crazy fringes. You don't need to flip tires. You don't need to um you know you know go for a 1 mile walk with a water jug on your head. Right. You don't need to like you don't need to kind of get all the crazy things. Just don't do the same thing over and over again. Now, if you want to take that a little bit to the next level, so if you um, if you're on vacation you know and you swam and ran one day well then go to the gym the next day like mm-hmm. that type of stuff um, and if you want to kind of play with this a little bit like if you're kind of a gym monkey a gym rat like just kind of learn to play a new sport and every now and then like Mm -hmm. try water skiing, try um, kite surfing, try um, pick up basketball, like go in um, to a field and kick the ball with your soccer ball with your kids, like whatever it might be, like get out and do other stuff, hike mountains, do yoga, like um, expand your horizons a little bit. Uh, Target your threshold. Okay. So threshold training is Um, when you work at or around your maximal sustainable pace. So this is down the list a little bit, but after we kind of do all these other things, what we'd like for people to do, and this kind of this relates a little bit to um relative intensity, but what we want to do is all the good stuff kind of happens at your threshold. So whether that's learning to type or it's um trying to get in better shape, if you're learning to type and you're completely in your comfort zone and Let's say you walk to a, um, you you start a a typing practice. You want to get better typing. And you can currently type 50 words a minute. Well, if you, when you're practicing, are only typing 20 words a minute, you're not going to get any better by that practice. Mm -hmm. You don't get any better. Similar is if you can type 50 words a minute and you just kinda jump to it and you're gonna try to type 120 words a minute. You're not gonna get any better from that practice. One, there's no mistakes and you're perfect and it's way too slow. The other one, you're making way too many mistakes right. and it's just chaos. One is completely in your comfort zone, the other is in the panic zone. We do the best learning when we're stretching ourselves. Just a little bit uncomfortable, but we're getting the right dosage. That's kind of like the real world example to talk about, um, you know, kind of what's happening inside our bodies in terms of like your VO2 max, um, your muscular stamina, and your ability to shuttle lactic away from muscles. So the way to think about this is if you're doing a workout, And let's call it, um, let's call it running a mile around a track and your current PR is six minutes. Well, if you start that run and you're going to try to do it at a 12 minute pace, you're not going to get that much benefit from that workout. You can run it in six. You're going to run it in 12. Mm -hmm. It's so in your comfort zone. You're not going to get that much out of it. Okay. The flip side of that is you're, you can run it in six. You're going to try and run it in Mm 4 you're gonna blow up at about the 600 meter mark. You're gonna, and you're probably not gonna finish. You're not gonna get that much fitter from that training session either. But if you kinda work that around, that six to 6.30 range, 6.45, now we're training at or around your lactic threshold, now we're kind of really talking about the good stuff. It's where technique and intensity are perfectly at odds. Mm-hmm. It's when you're not in your comfort zone, you're not in panic zone, you're kind of right there. So if you, at the end of a workout, worked so hard that you're blacking out seeing stars in a puddle of your own fluids and you're like, I am never doing that again, you probably went too hard. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Similar, if you get done and you're like, um, you, have ne- you haven't you have even taken a deep breath yet, mm-hmm. you were conversational the whole time, you are reading a magazine, on the recumbent bike, you probably- Or while you
0: were running around the track. You
1: probably didn't do it, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, we want to find that sweet spot. Have you ever read the book, um, Flow,
0: by um, the author, I'll ne- I'll never pronounce it correctly, but it's Michali Shizik. you actually like
1: went deep on the H there. Yeah, Michali. Yes, I got it there. Um, but anyways,
0: what he said, he said. So he was kind of the father of flow research. Like he was yep. the first one to to really dive into it, um, and a lot of people have, have worked off of his work. But the thing that he said that I really loved was um, that to find flow, you've got to find the border between anxiety and boredom Hmm. because that's, that's everything that you're talking about Mm -hmm. as it relates to threshold. So just that struck me. I hadn't thought about that for a while, but like that, just that visual of the anxiety and the boredom, like one foot on each of those is, you know, you're in the right place and that'll lead you into a a flow state.
1: Whether it's flow, the zone, deep practice, all these things. There's so many different things that will benefit by spending time at or around your threshold.
0: The last one we've got today of 10 principles of training is, uh, Enjoy it, the opportunity, the moment, and the process.
1: This doesn't need to be a stressful thing. Like, I say it, it doesn't need to be stressful. Like, just go and try and make it as enjoyable as you possibly can. So, for this reason, it like, I always, when I was training for Ironman, it's so monotonous and it's so yeah. boring. So, for that reason, I allowed myself every available opportunity to make it more fun. Mm. So I would actually take road trips to train in cool areas. Mm, So I would take a road trip to like, um, and I don't mean road trip like three days. I would would drive into Boston, 35 minutes away, to do my long runs along the Charles. Nice. Yep. Right. Like, so, so everyone else is doing, as opposed to like, I'm running through my neighborhood again. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like For the gazillionth time yeah. I'm doing this. Yep. Or I would drive up to, um, um, Lake Winnipesaukee yep. in, um, New Hampshire. And I would do a bike in the mountains. Yep. And so would, your own version of constant variance. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it's, 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 because it was more fun for me. Yeah. Like find a buddy. I would train yeah. with buddies. Like, um, if you're stressed out by the clock or the score, like, dude, don't t- mm-hmm. don't score it. Like, don't look at the clock. Like, make this enjoyable. This can be a fun part of the process. Now, I'm not saying like the Ben and Jerry's thing, like if it's not fun, don't do it. Like, if this isn't fun and you're not doing it, I still think you should do it. But what I'm saying is try to find ways to make it more fun. Mm-hmm. Gamify it. If you if a Fitbit works for you because you find it fun you get the dopamine response of like looking at it and the check marks and the bells and the whistles, like get a Fitbit. Yep. If you like the fact that like you look good in your Lululemon stuff or your Noble like new shoes, like go get those things. Like... Do things that like reward you along the way. You want to do everything you can. This is a good place to invest time, energy, money, resources, um, relationships to make this thing a part of your life. Make it as enjoyable as you possibly can because n- almost nothing you do in life is going to have the same kind of benefit and payoff in the long run as you dialing in these five factors. Mm-hmm.
0: And because the, the enjoyment leads
1: to consistency to so many different things, right? So, um, people are like, I don't, you know, it it goes to that bigger question of like, what's your purpose? And people try so hard to find their purpose. Well, don't try to find your purpose. Do something that you're interested in. If you're interested in it, you probably enjoy doing it. If you enjoy doing it, you'll get better at it. If you get better at it, you may actually find your way on your path to mastery. You find your mastery, like, dude, there's your purpose. You're going to contribute to life because you become a master in this category. Mm-hmm. Well, it all kind of starts with like doing things you're interested in and doing things you're interested in has to do with like things you enjoy, like make this enjoyable. If there's something you don't enjoy after this, if you don't enjoy um, going to running practice, don't go to running practice. Try swim. Yep. Yep. Like if vice versa, there's so many different variables you can play with.
0: All right, my man. Those are 10 principles of training. That is the the fifth of the five factors that we've broken down and folks have not listened to the other ones Um, they're all there uh, and we will see everybody next week see you next week you can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube until next time thank you for listening